Again, my name is Pastor Corey, and it's great to be here. I'm from the Morgan Park campus, and so today we're just going to get ready to do the one-minute blessing, and something I wanted to pray about was just hope and encouragement during this time. You know, it's uh, Resurrection Sunday today, and the hope that we stand on, uh, Jesus Christ and Him being resurrected, and that hope would, during this challenging time and this relatively dark time, that hope would rise up, rise up in us, encouragement would rise up, and it would be something that we could then give to other people, hope and encouragement. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you for today. Father, we thank you right now as it's Resurrection Sunday, and we're thinking of uh, how that applies to us and how uh, we're so thankful that, Jesus, you went to the cross for us. And, and the hope that comes with that. Father, I, I pray right now that inside each one of us as followers of Christ, that that hope would rise up inside of us right now during these challenging times in the world, that that hope would rise up inside of us and that that hope would lead to encouragement, Father, that we would be filled with hope, that we would be filled with encouragement and Lord, that we would then be able to, to take that hope and encouragement and we would be able to be the light of the world, that we would be able to, to give an outstretched arm and we would be able to give hope and encouragement to those around us. So Father, I just pray that right now throughout the world, each and every person who is a follower of Christ, that that hope and encouragement would rise up. And for those who maybe don't know Christ, that right now would be the time that you would be called to him and that you would put your hope in him and that that hope would then turn to encouragement. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, well, thank you, Pastor Corey, for sharing a one-minute blessing with us. Uh, so good to pray together. Well, let's get to our sermon. Today we're talking, of course, about Resurrection Sunday. We definitely are going to take a little break from Suit Up. We'll get back to that sermon series next week where we talk about the helmet of salvation, which, you know, kind of ties into today quite a bit because today we're talking about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's Resurrection Sunday, the greatest moment that has happened on the planet in the history of the world is the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. The powerful demonstration of the salvation of God through the resurrection of the Son of God is huge stuff. But what I want to do today is go through the events of Holy Week, going from Palm Sunday through Resurrection Sunday, and talk about how those map onto our lives. One of the things that I find rather amazing about the scriptures is you can see in the events of history, how our lives go. You know, one of the things that I learned early on, uh, actually when I was teaching Sunday school uh, in my 20s, enjoying teaching Sunday school, I saw very clearly that the history of the nation of Israel kind of maps on to the human experience and our relationship with God. You know, you go from faith, starting the process, and then, you know, of course, going into Egypt and the bondage of this world and the breaking free from that and the process of getting into the promised land and 
all of that stuff maps onto our lives very directly, you know, finding God, but knowing that we're stuck in bondage and needing to get free and find the promised land and all the issues and things that happened with the nation of Israel are things that happen with us personally, individually. And today I want to map the events of Holy Week onto our personal lives. I'm taking a few liberties, but not a lot. I don't think I'm stretching this too much, but there are some important concepts that we can grab hold of from the events of Holy Week. So we're going to look at Palm Sunday, which is the Sunday that Jesus came to Jerusalem and was proclaimed King. Then we're going to look at Monday, Thursday, which is the Last Supper, where Jesus gathered with his disciples for the Passover feast and the events that happened then. Then you've got Good Friday, which is the account of the crucifixion of Christ. And then, of course, Resurrection Sunday, where Jesus rose from the grave. So let's look first at Palm Sunday. Jesus is declared king. We'll read from Matthew chapter 21. Verses 1 through 11. Here's what it says. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them. He will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter, say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, on the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. The reason that this is called Palm Sunday is because the branches that they cut and placed on the ground, you know, kind of the red carpet treatment for Jesus were uh, palm branches, most likely palm branches. So that's why it's called Palm Sunday. People put their coats down uh, and they put these branches down to welcome the king. We saw that there is prophecy of the king coming on a donkey, and that's how Jesus did it. Definitely his triumphal entry into the city of Jerusalem, the king, the king of kings, Jesus, the king of the Jews, and that's Palm Sunday. This, of course, if we want to map this onto our lives, we're looking at receiving Jesus as king. You know, each one of us, if we're going to have a relationship with God, we need to receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, receive him as our king, our master. So Jerusalem accepted Jesus as king on that day. Of course, as the week goes on, things change dramatically. But on that moment, everybody was excited. They're shouting Hosanna and they're proclaiming Jesus as king. Of course, later we know that he was crucified with the charge of being the king of the Jews. And this is one of the reasons why they brought that charge, because he came into Jerusalem as king. 
But for us personally, as we map the events of Holy Week onto our own lives, we, of course, in our relationship with God, we need to receive Jesus as King, as Lord and Savior, grab hold of him. One of the things that I noticed, of course, about Palm Sunday is that there were huge crowds that were all excited about Jesus. But where were they later in the week? You know, where were they on Friday and Saturday? What, what was going on with them? On those days, the crowds turned against Jesus. And so it seems as though that the city of Jerusalem welcomed Jesus in, but a lot of them were very distant from Jesus. They, they knew to shout Hosanna with the rest of the crowd, but they had a distant relationship with Jesus, one that wasn't very secure and very strong. And then when it was tested later in the week, of course, you know, people ran away. Even the disciples who are very strong faded away and ran in fear. But the other thing I want to look at with regards to Palm Sunday is that many people trusted Jesus, but at a distance. They didn't really know Jesus. They were going along with their culture, their society, what was happening in that moment. And that's a question I have for you. Are you following Jesus, but at a distance? Don't really know. This is a a classic time when Everybody goes to church, you know, I've heard them described as cheesters, which I think is an odd description, but the the Christmas and Easter only Christians, uh, people that are following at a distance. And I don't want you to be someone who follows Christ at a distance, but someone who comes close. And that brings us to the Last Supper. So Monday, Thursday, which this Thursday of Holy Week is when the Last Supper happens. Let's read the account of the Last Supper from Matthew chapter 26. We'll read verses 17 through 30. Matthew 26, 17. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? He replied, go into the city to a certain man and tell him, The teacher says, my appointed time is near. I am going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the 12. And while they were eating, he said, truly, I tell you, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him one after the other, Surely you don't mean me, Lord. Jesus replied, the one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The son of man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the son of man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him said, surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. Jesus answered, you have said so. While they were eating, Jesus took bread And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it. All of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. So this is the account from the book of Matthew of the Last Supper. 
And this is where we get Holy communion, where we receive Holy communion together is a, is a, a derivative of the last supper. This communion, Holy communion speaks of a profound connection, you know, communion between people and God. We have a tight connection. Imagine the difference between masses laying down palm branches and shouting Hosanna versus a small group of people in an upper room eating together. It's a much more intimate setting, a much deeper connection. And communion is meant to represent that personal relationship that we have with Christ, his body broken for our healing, his blood shed for our forgiveness. And we receive that into ourselves. We, we consume the elements of Holy communion. And that signifies a profound connection between us and God. Now we read the account from Matthew and that's a very short account. Uh, The gospel of John has actually five chapters on the last supper. Five chapters of the gospel of John are during the last supper. So John recorded all kinds of stuff from that. Matthew was there too. He only recorded a few things, but some things from the gospel of John. This is where Jesus washes his disciples feet. This is where Jesus calls his disciples, his friends. It's very much about a deep connection between the disciples and Jesus. So we don't want to follow at a distance. We want to come in close. The disciples came in close to Jesus at the last supper. So we want to come close. We want to receive that deep relationship with Jesus. And one of the main ways that we get close to God today is by receiving the Holy Spirit, communion, prayer, studying the word. There's so many different ways to stay close to the Lord, but receiving the Holy Spirit is a deep, deep, profound connection with God that I think maps on nicely with the last supper. As we walk with God, we can get caught up in just doing religious stuff and kind of miss that deep connection with God. But instead we want that intimate connection with God, that personal relationship with God. So let's look at this from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 through 12, and see what the Holy Spirit can do for us. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him, these are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but it is the spirit who is from God so that we may understand what God has freely given us. So here we see a deep, deep connection. And if you read all of that chapter two verses before verses after, you'll see a description of a connection with God that goes beyond what we understand, but a heart connection, the spirit of God and our spirit coming together. That's communion in the spiritual sense. So when we receive the Holy spirit of God, when we open ourselves up to the spirit of God, that's when in today's world, we can have that deep, deep connection with God. So open your heart to the Holy Spirit. 
not just a religious distant relationship with God, but a true communion, a true connection through the spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit is also where we receive power to overcome. The Holy Spirit gives us spiritual gifts, allowing us to be effective in the things he's called us to do. And let's just read Acts 1.8 as uh, the scripture for that, describing the power of God. Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. We don't want to have a distant relationship with God. We want to have, just like the Last Supper experience, a tight connection with God. A good way to receive that tight connection with God is through the Holy Spirit and God's empowering through the Holy Spirit as well. So that's the Last Supper. Things are still going reasonably well, but... Jesus is going to be betrayed and he's turned over to the chief priests. They bring him to the Roman officials and Jesus is tried and he's found guilty. Even though Pilate didn't see Jesus as guilty, he had to bow to the crowds. And so, you know, they were playing the card of he claimed to be king. There's no king but Caesar. If you don't convict Jesus, then you're subverting the authority of Caesar. And so politically, people who wanted to to take Jesus out used the fact that he came in on the triumphal entry on Palm Sunday as the king of the Jews, and they got him crucified as king of the Jews. Jesus was tried, he was scourged, he was crucified, and he died. The charge that was written above him was Jesus King of the Jews. Let's read just a little bit about the crucifixion of Christ. Matthew 27, verses 27 through 31. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus to the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set them on his head. They put a staff in his right hand. Then they knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, King of the Jews, they said. They spit on him and took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. After they had mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. So we see here, Good Friday is all about the account of the trial, the scourging, the crucifixion, and the death of Christ. How do we map that onto our own lives? That's something we can't do. We can't die for the sins of the world like Jesus did on Good Friday. But we do see two scriptural connections between our life and what happened with Christ on Good Friday. So let's look at these two things, these two ways that we can be connected with the crucifixion of Christ. First, we can share in Christ's sufferings. Philippians 3, 10 and 11. Philippians 3, 10 and 11 says this. I want to know Christ, yes, and to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection 
from the dead. Here, the apostle Paul talks about sharing in the sufferings of Christ, becoming like him in his death, a clear reference to Good Friday, that Jesus was serving his father in heaven. He was doing what it took to be obedient to God. And we can do the same thing. We can share in the sufferings of Christ, becoming like him in his death. It doesn't mean that we'll be falsely accused and scourged and crucified on a cross. But it means that we're willing to go through difficulties in order to be obedient to God. We're sharing in the sufferings of God. Not just sharing in the sufferings, but also, as we'll talk about in just a little bit, sharing in the resurrection. The first way that we can see Good Friday map onto the lives of the believers is we share in the sufferings of Christ, becoming like him in his death. Also, we identify with Christ's death through baptism. Let's go to Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. Romans 6, 1 through 5 says this, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that Just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in death, in a death like this, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. In verse 4 there of Romans chapter 6, we saw that we are united with Christ in his death so that we can live a new life. So this isn't talking about you know, sharing in the sufferings of Christ in being obedient to God and, and fighting the, the good fight. This is talking about the old life, the life of sin being laid to rest, just as Jesus was laid to rest and he rose again. So we can take our old self, our sins, our faults, all the things we're ashamed of, all the darkness of our past, and we can be free from it. It can be crucified with Christ. It is gone, and then we can come up new. So we can participate in or map Good Friday onto our lives through baptism, the laying down of the old, the death of the old man, and the picking up of the new. There are two parallel ways to look at how Good Friday maps onto the life of the believer. The sharing in the sufferings of Christ, meaning serving God even when it's difficult, and the laying down of the old, the letting the, the sins be taken care of. Too many people try to fix the old man, just let him be crucified with Christ, be done with it, and move into the new. So those are the two ways that we can grab hold of an understanding of how we participate in the death of Christ. And of course, both of those references talked not just about the death of Christ, but the resurrection of Christ and how we participate in the resurrection of Christ. And I got to tell you, in Jesus' day, people were not as impressed with the crucifixion as we are today. People were crucified all the time. That wasn't something that they were uh, interested in very much. But when Jesus rose from the grave, when he rose from the dead, that's what got everyone's attention. That was a big deal. The disciples saw everything in a new way when Jesus rose from the grave. It was an amazing, amazing moment in time. Let's read from Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 8 
the account of Jesus rising from the dead. So Matthew 28, verse 1. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for the angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. So we see Jesus rose from the dead. He said he was going to. He did. The grave is empty. The women are going to go tell the disciples. Jesus rose from the dead. How do we participate in, how do we map the resurrection of Christ onto our lives, the lives of the believers? Well, just as we share in Christ's suffering, we will also share in his resurrection. Let's go to Philippians 3, 10 and 11 again. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead, a tying together of being willing to suffer with Christ for the cause of Christ, and then to attain to the resurrection of the dead, to receive everlasting life, eternal life. This is talking about living forever in the paradise of God, being risen from the grave, that death no longer has power over us, but we are free, free through the resurrection that is offered to us in Christ. That's an amazing thing. It's not just that Jesus rose from the grave, but the promise is that we can rise to eternal life as well. So that's magnificent. That's why people get so excited about Resurrection Sunday. It's not just that Jesus rose from the grave showing he conquered death himself, but it, he conquered death for all who would trust in him, all who would believe in him. We can conquer death as well and receive everlasting life. And we also, on the other side of it, going back to Romans chapter 6, we also can live in resurrection life now. We can live a new life today. So let's reread Romans 6, 3, and 4. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So we participate in the resurrection of Christ, not just by trusting in everlasting life in the paradise of God, but also by putting aside the old and stepping into new life in Christ today, living in resurrection life now. This speaks of abundant life, living the new life of freedom in Christ. Just as we saw the two applications of the crucifixion of Christ in our lives, the believers that we suffer in doing things for the Lord in obedience to God. Sometimes we have to suffer amidst that, but we also lay the old down. We can live new life in Christ and we can have everlasting life 
forever with God. This is how Christ's death and his resurrection apply to us. And those two things are intimately tied together. Of course, without a crucifixion, you have no resurrection. Without us laying down the old, we don't live in the new. Without us walking in obedience to God and taking on whatever that involves, whatever suffering that, uh, that involves, unless we turn our lives over to Christ, accept him as king and walk in obedience to him, we're not going to be able to receive everlasting life. Let's just do a recap of those four parts of Holy Week and let's look at them. And now I want you to look at yourself too. Where are you in your relationship with God? Where do you fit through this Holy Week survey that we've gone through? And then let's ask God to help us, help us to take it to the next level or whatever we need. Let's ask God for that. Go back to Palm Sunday. Jesus, the triumphal entry, Jesus comes into Jerusalem. Do you need to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, as your King, as the one you bow before and worship and honor? If that's where you're at, today's your day. Today is the day for you to turn your life over to Jesus and to accept him as your king. Are you someone who has walked with God for a long time, but you have a very distant relationship with him? Like all those throngs of people that were yelling Hosanna and were all excited on Palm Sunday, but weren't so excited on Good Friday, you know, that ended up being at a distance. Well, there is so much more than a distant religious relationship with God. There is an intimate connected, power-filled relationship with God through the Holy Spirit, through worship, through studying the word, through walking in obedience to God. We can connect with God in so many powerful ways. But if you feel like you believe in God, but you have a distant relationship with God, come on in close. Just like the disciples did at the Last Supper, Jesus washed their feet. He called them his friends. They had a tight relationship with Jesus, and we can have that close relationship too. One of the other things that Jesus said at the Last Supper was, do this in remembrance of me, that we receive communion to remember what Jesus has done for us. Maybe you've walked with God, but you kind of faded off, and now you know, you're stuck at home and you might as well watch church on, online, and so you've, you've tuned in but you know that you've faded away from God. We can remember the Lord and come back to God. So if that's where you're at, come back to the Lord. Maybe you're in that place where you're trying to let the old person be crucified with Christ, but you're struggling with that. My old pastor years and years ago said, the old man heard about the resurrection too, and he wants to get in on it. You know, we can lay the old life down, be done with those old bad habits, the the ways that hurt other people, hurt ourselves, hurt our relationship with God. We can try to be done with those, but that old man wants to get resurrection too and come back into our lives. So that can be a struggle, but understand the scriptural principle isn't fix yourself. It's lay the old down and start over. It's start new, start fresh. Don't try to take the old way and fix it. Just lay it down and be done with it. Let the old be crucified with Christ. Keep believing to get there. Maybe you're sharing in Christ's sufferings. You're in that process where you're, you're obedient to God. You're walking with the Lord, but you're experiencing suffering because of it. I hope you're doing that. You're sharing in Christ's sufferings and you're also experiencing joy and abundant life. I'm amazingly blessed to be the pastor of Good Hope Church. It's a fantastic, fantastic 
experience. And I got to tell you, you know, thank you for your continued giving in the midst of our online church. Giving has been going well. You're doing great. So thank you, thank you, thank you for participating through giving in Good Hope Church, helping the ministry continue forward in the midst of all of this. So I feel just blessed. I get to be part of Good Hope Church. I get to pastor this church. And it's just a fantastic experience. But sometimes when you're obedient to God and serving the Lord, it's more painful. And I've had seasons like that in my life as well, where you're weary, where you're tired, where you you don't want to suffer anymore. You don't want to hurt anymore. You don't want any more difficulties to come. So when we're walking in obedience to God, sometimes we're walking in obedience and we're experiencing abundant life and joy. Sometimes it's suffering and we're hurting and it can even be an inner hurt. We're wondering where God is. When is he going to help us? If you're there, you know, and it's going well, be thankful. If you're hurting, then trust God. Trust God. Keep your relationship with God. Trust him. And then maybe you know that your time in this world is short. Maybe you know this is just about time for you to go see Jesus. Well, let me tell you, if you've been walking with Jesus and you know you're forgiven, then just look back on your experiences in this life and smile. All the hardships and all the joys, all the victories and the failures, all the things that we're, we're happy about and all the regrets that we have, that's the human condition. Just look back on that and say, wow, I got to live this life. But then look forward knowing that you are on the cusp of everlasting life, on the cusp of meeting Jesus face to face. You are right there. Where are you in your life? What step do you need to take? How do you need to build your relationship with the Lord? Look at all of those different spots and put yourself on there. We're going to pray together. You can email the prayer team, prayer at goodhope.ag for a personal prayer team experience. They'll pray over your prayer request and contact you. That's just like coming forward for prayer. But let's all pray together now. And just trust God that he can see us through. So, Heavenly Father, I pray for each one watching, for that individual, Lord. You know them right now, this very moment, this very second, exactly where they're at and what's going on. Lord, I pray that you would spark in their hearts or that you would uh, confirm in their hearts what's already been sparked a few moments ago. Lord, that where they're at, if they need you to proclaim you as Lord and Savior, Father, help them to grab hold of you, forgiveness, repentance, and following you and receiving salvation that we'll talk more about next week when we put on the helmet of salvation. Lord, help them to grab hold of you as their king. Father, for those who are distant from you, help them come close. Father, for those who need to remember to come close to you, they've faded off, bring them back in. Lord, for those who are trying to lay the old man down, but they're struggling, give them strength. Father, for those who are serving you, but they're serving in a time of suffering and difficulty, I pray your encouragement and strength over them. Just like Pastor Corey prayed in the one minute blessing, Lord, let your encouragement come. And Father, for those who are about to see you, give them a joy and an anticipation that is just beautiful. So Father, wherever we're at, meet us, help us to grow in you, help us to serve you effectively and help us to grab hold of your resurrection. In Jesus' name, amen.